The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to the Big Red Bench Women's Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at jermccarthy 74 On this week's show, I speak to the new Ireland senior women's basketball team captain, Idel Thornton, from the Singleton Super Value Brunel Club in Cork, ahead of their doubleheader against Portugal this coming weekend. A regular Formula One expert returns as Sarah McKenzie is here to review the Hungarian Grand Prix and bring us up to speed on all the latest on and off track happenings in F1. AFLW expert and Aussie rules coach Mike Curran is back to offer us his expert analysis on a busy pre-season for 21 Irish Aussie rules players ahead of the fast approaching season 7.0. I have all the Cork senior and intermediate aftermatch reaction to last Sunday's disappointing Glen Dimplex senior and intermediate Camogie final losses to Kilkenny and Galway in Crow Park. But we finish on a positive note with a host of interviews with the victorious 2022 Cork LGFA minor All-Ireland winning panel following their fantastic win over Galway in the decider at Nina. That's all to come on this week's jam-packed Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. The new Ireland senior women's basketball team captain, Idel Thornton from the Singleton Super Value Brunel Club in Cork, joined me on this week's Big Red Bench to discuss captaining her country to two wins in two days over Estonia recently, Ireland's upcoming doubleheader against Portugal, what it's like playing for Irish head coach James Weldon, and I look ahead to Ireland's FIBA Eurobasket 2023 qualifiers against the Netherlands and Czech Republic in November and February. Now, we are delighted to be joined on the line here on the Big Red Bench by the Irish Women's Senior Basketball Captain from the Super Value Brunel Club, uh, Idel Thornton. Idel, you're very welcome to the bench. How are you? Thanks, Amelia, for having me. I'm great. Uh, first of all, congratulations. A lovely honour to be appointed as the new captain of the Irish Senior Women's Basketball Team. Um, it must have been a lovely moment when you got uh, when you got news of that, first of all, and the fact that you've been involved in basketball for quite a while to captain your country. There's no higher honour. Yeah, no, it was lovely, look, um, and it obviously is a huge honour for me uh, and my family and my club, um, but I think it's it's just a testament to the players around me of how how much they've impacted me as a player and, and a person, and I think, um, yeah, it's just a real, it's a real honour and privilege to see, like, other attributes that I bring to the team being recognised, so I'm, I'm thrilled. Yes, because the Irish senior basketball team uh, at the moment are very much in preparation mode for Euro Championship qualifiers later in the year. Um, and as part of that, you've had a two-game back-to-back games wins over Estonia this past weekend. That must have been a huge confidence boost for you and for everybody involved with the team. Yeah, definitely. I think um, going into this, we have a four-game block, I suppose, in August. And going into the Estonia games, we knew they would be a tough team and they'd be a lot more physical um, than we would have seen, say, in the league this past year. Um, but no, they were really two good games and two great wins for us. And one game we were leading uh, quite a lot and we had to withstand the lead. Um, and the first game we had to come back to get the lead. So I think having those two experiences were huge for our squad, like just to know how to win in both in both situations. Talk to me about the Irish head coach, James Weldon, because he seems like a very, very good motivator uh, from reading and listening to him. Um, but he's also got a lot of, uh, he's obviously got a tactical basketball brain in his head. And he must be absolutely delighted the fact that, you know, when you get to the stage of the year, uh, the conditions as well, I would imagine, were quite hot in those two wins over Estonia. To get those back-to-back wins is exactly what you want uh, to continue this team's preparation. Yeah, definitely. And James has been brilliant in terms of preparing us in the best way he can, um, especially for these two games against Estonia and the two games against Portugal coming up, I think they're four solid games that we need going into the preparation for November and for next February um, because last summer we, we did have the European small countries and that that did prepare us as a group but it didn't prepare us for the level of competition that we were going to see in November whereas this year James did a brilliant job of making sure that the quality and the calibre of competition that we're playing will be similar if not higher than the teams that we will see in November. How difficult as a basketball player, Idel, is it for you and for your players? Because it's a while since you would have played international, probably late last November last year, you know, to get going again, to, to knock off the cobwebs. He obviously did a good job of it in winning the two games against Estonia, but how difficult is it for the mindset? You know, you have to, I imagine as a club player, you know, it's week to week when the season is going and one game blends into the other. But from an international perspective, is it important that you blow off those cobwebs as quickly as possible and get as much out of these games heading into, as we said, the uh, FIBA Eurobasket qualifiers Next, later in the year 
Uh, yeah, um, I suppose coming into the summer, we had a session in June and then we didn't really get kick off till late July. Um, so a lot of us are coming in from not having played since the the league, I suppose the club league um, earlier in the year. So it's definitely important for us to knock off cobwebs, but we do a really good job of that in terms of in training. We go really hard and James, uh, Yanis and Gillian do a super job of when we when we get to training and it's kind of our first or second session, we play. And that's pretty much it for the lot. Like we go up and down an awful lot in those sessions just to make sure that, you know, you're getting a feel for the ball, getting a feel for the game and you're getting a feel for everyone on the court with you because it is a new, a new enough squad and, you know, a lot of us wouldn't have played together before, so they did a really good job this year of making sure that we knew each other's tendencies. And obviously, people are practicing away themselves throughout the summer, but it's it's not the same as when you get together with a full squad. Indeed, how uh, good was it to see Mia Furlan from the Address UCC, Glenn Moyer, and Sarah Kenny, who's now with Trinity Meteors, uh, those Cork players alongside yourself, based in the squad, and how did they get on? I was fab. Um, uh, Sarah was with us last November as well, so it was great for her to be back in with the squad. But Mia um, had a super debut weekend. Like she came in on Saturday and she just rocked it. Like she didn't, it didn't phase her in the slightest. She came in and three players came around and she shot the ball when she was supposed to. Like she did a super job defensively as well. So I was, I was actually thrilled for her for her first time uh, playing with the seniors. And obviously Sarah being there before knew exactly what was expected. So it's really nice to have um, a fellow Cork people on the team. Indeed it isn't. You can't have enough Cork people, as you know, Edel, yeah. in any team. Um, let's look ahead to this weekend, August 13th and 14th, against Portugal. What are you looking for? Is it more of the same now? Just c- c- carry the momentum into this, uh, into those two games against Portugal? Or is there, are you going to be trying out new things? Or is it just a case of, you know, keep it going now? Yeah, I think um, a bit of both, to be honest. Like, carry the momentum we had with us um, at certain parts of the weekend uh, against Estonia. But then I think... I t- do think Portugal will up it a notch. Like their caliber players will be higher than the Estonians that we saw this weekend. So I think we just need as a team to see what works for us as a team and what doesn't, and just uh, with the coaching staff work together and see what we really need to improve on defensively and on offense, and just see what works, what we can get better at, and what what things we might not might not use in the future. Excellent stuff. Now, all roads, uh, finally, just all roads do lead to, and it seems like a long way away, but it isn't, in November and the following February, where you face the Netherlands first uh, in November and then the Czech Republic in February, and they are the FIBA Eurobasket 2023 qualifiers. Like, without, you know, it, it's still a bit away, but they these are hugely important games for Ireland and for Irish women's basketball. Um, you want to be as prepared as you possibly can. You'll hopefully be well into the, the club season at that stage. But can you put into context just what winning those two games and those two qualifiers and making it to the 2023 Eurobasket would mean? Oh, it would be, um, be surreal, to be honest. I think uh, we had a previous um, Irish international come in and speak to us this weekend, Lindsay Pete, and she just... You know, the last time Ireland were on this stage is when she was playing basketball and she hasn't been playing in an Irish jersey for a long time. So I think it's just for us to actually be playing in these games is a huge deal for Irish basketball and for the underage Irish basketball coming up. And just to see us there and to see the level of the level that we can actually play at and the level that we can compete at. So to get two wins would be um, absolutely incredible for the country and for the group of girls that we have. And just finally, from your own point of view, uh, it looks like Irish women's senior basketball is in a good place. Um, mm-hmm. Being captain is a huge honour and stuff, but are you enjoying it? I mean, it, there is a lot of extra responsibility. You have to talk to the likes of myself, unfortunately, and a lot of media coverage. <laughs> but that's a good thing for women in sport and for, for Irish women's basketball. But are you enjoying the experience? I am. I am. I'm, um, I, there is definitely extra responsibility, but I think it just takes it all my stride. Like, I love I love talking to people, so I don't ever get uncomfortable when there's extra, you know, extra conversations to have. Um, so I just kind of take it all on the chin and just make sure, like, the focus for me is to make sure that I perform on the day as well um, and make sure everyone is up to scratch and ready to go. But I suppose it is, it's an absolute honour. I would never want to say that it's extra responsibility, but there is extra little responsibilities there, but I'm absolutely loving it at the moment, so I can't argue. Indeed you can't. Well, I can see why the Irish head coach, James Weldon, has selected you as captain um, and I can understand why your voice uh, carries a bit of weight in the dressing room with such so many young players. But Edel Thornton from uh, from the uh, Super Value Brunel team, Singleton Super Value Brunel team and the new Irish 
senior women's basketball captain. We wish you all the best this weekend against Portugal and we'll catch up ahead of those big Euro qualifiers in November. Perfect. Thanks, William. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. It is brilliant to welcome back our resident Cork's Red FM Formula 1 expert, Sarah McKenzie. We start with a Hungarian Grand Prix debrief looking at Mercedes and George Russell, Ferrari once again mismanaging Charles Leclerc, and Red Bull's Max Verstappen converting troublesome qualifying into an impressive win. We also talk about Sebastian Vettel's retirement, his uh, shock departure, uh, followed by an even more uh, shock re- replacement in Fernando Alonso, and the botched announcement of Oscar Piastri, who's taking Alonso's seat from 23 uh, onwards, or is he? And finally, we look at Daniel Ricciardo uh, and what his future holds, and is his seat safe at McLaren any longer? All that to come here with Sarah McKenzie. It has been far, far too long since we've spoken to our resident Big Red Bench Formula One expert, Sarah McKenzie, but I'm delighted to say she's back on this week's show to review what is basically now a soap opera, as well as a Formula One season, uh, and also look ahead to what's coming down the line. Uh, Sarah, welcome back. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, it's thrilled to be back in the back in the swing of normal things like uh, chatting about F1 on a weekly basis. <laughs> Indeed. Since you've been gone, uh, a couple of major <laughs> things in the corner. We haven't had a chance to speak. The Hungarian Grand Prix. Um, basically, the first, there's so many headlines coming out of it, so we'll just hit them one by one. But the big one, and let's be fair, um, George Russell taking pole on the Saturday. I watched it happen, and I could not believe it, nor, nor could he. And the yep. fact that Mercedes, we'll talk about uh, Verstappen very shortly, but the fact that Mercedes got a pole and the fact that they got a, a double podium, best possible way to go into the summer break. 100%. And it's, it's it's quite funny because they admitted afterwards they were bewildered by, you know, the switch. I think George had described the day before Friday in free practice as one of his worst Fridays of the season, which, as we know, the season started out pretty dismally. So that's bad. Um, and then, yeah, you know, the pipped signs to the pole position. And I say pipped, you know, there was four hundredths of a second in it. So, you know, it's there was a gap there. Um, but they are still a little bit confused, I think, by the yo-yoing of the performance. But as you said, you know, really strong way to to finish out the kind of first first bit of the season. And, you know, they're within 30 points of Ferrari now in the Constructors' Championship, which I think if you had said that at the beginning of the year, I don't think anybody would believe you. Um, so, yeah, it was really impressive from them. Very impressive from Mercedes and delighted for them and Russell, who's been very consistent, like we said earlier, yeah. and the boost at Lewis Hamilton. We have to mention weekly slot, mention Sir Lewis, your, your, your chance to talk about your favourite driver. But he, he looked, he sounded really energised afterwards. And I think he was genuine. I think he's genuinely now looking forward to the second half of the season. 100%. And I think they're starting to think about winning. And it, it might look a little bit... I do think they will get there by the end of the season. I don't know which one of them, um, but I think you can start of you can sort of see that now. The mentality is shifting back towards winning, and I suppose after eight years of winning constantly, that's actually their safe space. You know, like they feel most comfortable when they're ahead. So I think it's it's good to see that mindset um, getting back there for them. Indeed, it is good on Mercedes. So from the sublime to the weekly ridiculous <laughs> slot, and my beloved Ferrari. Oh my good God. I, I actually think I'm at the point now where there's somebody inside that organization who's just looking to make things, to, to ruin things at every bloody Grand Prix. For those who didn't see, Charles Leclerc was very much in contention. There was a lot of, there was a bit of rain on the day of the Hungarian Grand Prix, so the tyre choice was, was critical. Mm-hmm. It was clear that the hard tyre choice, am I right, was the wrong one. And that yep. the soft tyre choice gave drivers a better chance of being gaining more pace towards the end of the race. It was proven before Leclerc was called in to the pits and put on hard tires, from which he immediately dropped down to six and finished completely out of the race. Your take on this, Sarah, because it's getting beyond a joke now with Ferrari. It is, and I sometimes wonder, you know, like you say, we talk about it almost every time, and I just wonder who is going to actually hit the brakes. Like, who is actually going to stop them from sort of uh, self-sabotaging, really, at this point, you know? Um, And it's from... It's everything from strategy, which is obviously you have a bit more, I suppose there's a bit more sort of strategic planning goes into it. Whereas, you know, down to the very pit stops, you know, science had two slow pit stops, which put a damper on his progress as well. And I think it really is just, there seems to be something going wrong everywhere for them. And then in the meantime, you know, you have their team principal saying, you know, we're always right. We always make the right decision. And, 
you kind of wonder <laughs> wonder if he's not going to to call a halt to it, then who is? And um, yeah, you know, Leclerc called their management a disaster that particular weekend, and and you would have to agree, Rudy. Uh, it's about time he did. I think the whole uh, PR exercise is gone now because you can't gone. Yeah. <laughs> watch this space for more drama. And we can't let the Hungarian GP review go without the driver of the weekend for me, simply because he had so much trouble in qualifying. But the, how impressed were you with Max Verstappen in the way he came from 10th to win this? Yeah, I think it was um, it was a drive of a champion. I think, you know, every every so often we see these very complete performances from him where there's kind of no panic. You know, sometimes even when he's leading a race, something will go wrong and you'll kind of get the sense of panic. But I think he just stayed very cool, calm, collected and managed to to win the race. And again, I don't think after that kind of Q3, I don't think anyone would have expected that. And 10th to 1st is is a big jump and it's a big jump to kind of actually bring it home as well. So I think great job. And also I mentioned to the to the Red Bull um, pit wall, I think they did a fantastic job of, uh, of managing his race as well. They did, especially with the rain and the change of tyres and the fact that he had a spin and he still came back and won. He very, very much the mark of champions and well put. All that means as we enter the summer break that Max Verstappen leads the driver championship on 258 points from Charles Leclerc. Somehow was on 178 in second place. Sergio Perez right behind him now for Red Bull in 173. George Russell, Mr. Consistency for Mercedes in 158. And then Carlos Sainz Jr. in 156. And we better mention Lewis Hamilton or we'd be in trouble with there in sixth place in the Mercedes in 146. And in the constructors, it is Red Bull. Out in front with 431 points, thanks to nine wins and 16 podiums, followed by Ferrari, followed by Mercedes, Alpine, and followed by uh, McLaren. And we mentioned as well uh, the the reigning world champion, uh, Max Verstappen, and his fantastic drive, but it's a former world champion, Sebastian Vettel, who also drew a lot of headlines uh, coming into and out of Hungary, Sarah. And for uh, disappointing reasons, if you're a fan of his, but it, it, his time has come to an end of Formula 1. Yeah, retiring after 15 years, you know, I think he obviously had a, an amazing start to his career and, you know, those four world championships in a row with Red Bull and essentially he laid the foundations, you know, for for drivers like Max Verstappen at that team after him and, uh, you know, Aston Martin did say they tried to convince him to stay, but as he said in his retirement video, I think things that are happening off track that he really cares about are not moving as fast as he would like to keep him in the sport. And I think it's, you know, it's admirable of him to, you know, on top of wanting to spend time with family, I think it's admirable of him to, to stick to his values as well. Um, you know, and, and he will be missed. I think he was a bit, um, he was a bit hard to warm to at the beginning, but he's, he's really kind of mellowed now, possibly, possibly because of the three children. Um, but I think, yeah, he'll definitely be missed. And it was, uh, it was a bit of surprise as well, because obviously he was, he was contracted for longer than the end of this season. So not, uh, not entirely expected. At his, at his, at his peak, he was an incredibly committed, determined, but also consistent driver, no matter mm-hmm. what the situation, I think, not in Schumacher's class, in my opinion, I might get into trouble for that, but definitely, uh, you know, a worthy world champion, somebody you could rely on. And I think that's why Aston Martin liked him and wanted him so much. Mm. He could bring the car home. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think the only really mark on his career is the time of Ferrari. And I think what we've seen is that actually was very little to do with him. I think it was, you know, I, I personally, I believe every F1 driver wants to be, you know, in the Ferrari at some point. And I think, it was probably a dream that, you know, fell a bit short for him, which is disappointing. But I think at least the silver lining is that we've seen now that it wasn't down to him. You know, a lot of it was to do with the team. So, yeah, absolutely, you know, fantastic legacy that he's leaving with. How surprised are you that it is Fernando Alonso who is taking the seat? Yes, that was a series, kind of a strange series of events. Um, you know, so Seb kind of confirmed that he had only really told the team on Wednesday before the Hungarian Grand Prix that he was definitely retiring and very soon after Alonso had confirmed that he was moving to them Um, and I think obviously those conversations were happening in the background but he was equally ready to make a quick decision then and I think it's a bit disappointing because I've actually loved his partnership with Esteban Ocon at Alpine and they are flying this year you know they are really in the hunt and he said he sees a lot of future potential at Aston Martin. I'm struggling to see where that's coming from personally. 
Um, I think Lance Stroll will be very relieved that yeah. uh, that he's coming in. I think you know Alonso is going to bring a bit of shine maybe back to the team, but I think I just I don't really see where the the appeal is coming from personally. I think it's a safe pair of hands in a guaranteed seat and middle of the road of the World Championship. And I think they're just kind of going like for like, even though it's nothing of the kind between the two mm-hmm. types of drivers that they are. But it'll be interesting to see where it goes from 2023 onwards. Um, we have to mention the fact that if Alonso's leaving, that leaves another seat. Yes. Uh, but the whole drama around this and Oscar Piastri. Piastri. He's obsessed. The way that have been handling it. Uh, your take on all of this because... For, again, just to bring people up to speed, it was rumoured that Piastri would take the seat, uh, vacated by um, Alonso. Uh, the team had pretty much come out and said, no, that's not happening. I mean, it's, it, it's again, soap opera, one statement after the other and nothing really matching up. Yeah, it was quite embarrassing. I mean, the memes that it has generated are hilarious, but, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's a disaster for the Alpine PR team and... Actually, Otmar Safner has come out and said that he was quite disappointed by the lack of loyalty that Piastri showed to the team. They've invested a lot in his career um, and they really did think that he was going to be there for 2023. Um, or, uh, yeah, and I think I think it's just the weight in between as well as the problem. Like, you know, he said, I, I will be driving an F1, but not with Alpine. And now there's this whole swirling thing with Daniel Ricciardo and... McLaren and I just think it's I mean it's a cause silly season for a reason but I think that was one of the bigger blunders that I've seen in the last couple of years definitely yeah the manner in which it was handled nobody came out yeah looking good out of it Piastri didn't come out looking good Alpine certainly didn't at the moment it's just all in kind of limbo and the reason it's all in limbo is because the strong rumors that it could be the end of Daniel Ricciardo at McLaren. Now I've mentioned to you before we started recording. I start. I finally got around to watching <laughs> to survive, and I started with season four, and it's basically focusing on Ricciardo's meltdown in that McLaren. It's not been going well, Sarah. There's no point in saying it has. It hasn't gone well for him. He's a likable guy. He's won Grand Prix. He's a very talented driver, but to me, he's lost his confidence. And as soon as he's lost his confidence, and he's not delivering for McLaren, what are they expected to do? It's looking like it's going to be a straight swap. So Piastri to, to McLaren and then Ricardo to Alpine, which is obviously, I mean, it's a weird scenario for him, isn't it? Like it's back to the team that he was at before he went to McLaren. It's just that it has a different name now. It's that he's going back to the same teammate that he had, you know, when he left Renault. Um, it's just, as you said, he's lost his confidence. He hasn't been in tune with the car since he joined the team, really. Um, you know, last year even their technical director came out and said that they had actually tried to engineer the car specifically to Daniel's driving style because he had found it so difficult to adapt and even that doesn't seem to have worked for him and I wonder whether you know he will take that swap deal or whether he's kind of thinking is it my time I I really don't know um I think it would be very sad too because I think he's a fantastic kind of personality on the grid. And I think, you know, we would we would miss him certainly, but it's not looking good. Indeed, it isn't. But as usual, even though we've hit the summer break with Formula 1, there's loads to talk about, loads to keep track of. And uh, we're certainly going to do that from, from here now, right until the end of the season. Uh, we mentioned earlier on that we're into the uh, into the summer break. But the next one, that we I think the next one that comes back is uh, the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa-Francorchamps, one of my favourites. Um, yes. But that's a number of weeks away, but something to look forward to. And in the meantime, Sarah, we'll have you back on the Big Red Bench podcast here on the Women in Sport podcast, talking all things Formula 1, because there's going to be lots of headlines. As you said, it's silly season. In the interim, where can we find you uh, on the social media world? Yes. So if you search me on YouTube, you'll find my latest videos. I have one up there about Sebastian Vettel's retirement. You can search my full name, Sarah McKenzie. And if you add women in motorsports, you'll find me even quicker. And we'll find you on Instagram at MacGram underscore and at Twitter at MacTweets underscore as well, because uh, you put out a lot of good content and people need to keep up to date with it. They can do so there. It's great to talk to you again. It's like we were never away. And, uh, we're straight into, back in straight back into the drama who needs the racing there's enough drama <laughs> with Sarah McKenzie great to talk to you on the Big Red Bench again and we'll talk to you again next week 
Tigster. The Big Red Bench. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. We are delighted to have AFLW expert and Aussie Rules coach Mike Curran back with us on The Big Red Bench once again this week. Mike casts his eye over a very busy pre-season period. He gives us all the latest news on some of the 21 Irish players in Australia ahead of the new campaign. And he looks ahead to next week's official practice rounds, including some of the games which have been moved to the MCG. Thrilled to welcome back following a very short sabbatical from the Big Red Bench. Not that he would understand what a sabbatical is, but our very own AFLW expert, Mike Curran. Mike, how are you? I'm very well, Jerry. Great to be back on. Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, I said sabbatical. Sabbatical from this uh, weekly segment, maybe, but you have never been busier because the last of the 21 Irish players are now in Australia in right in the middle of their pre-season. You've been uh, involved with nearly all of them at some, in some capacity, uh, one way or the other. And the two latest ones, obviously, to go over um, are All-Ireland winners. They are Vicky Wall and Oral Lally, and they've had a crazy week uh, from the time they won an All-Ireland to get into Australia. What, uh, what can you bring us up to speed on? Oh, sure. How fantastic was it for both Vicky and Orla, I suppose, Jerry? As you say, Crow Park, back-to-back All-Ireland wins for Meath. Both of them played an integral part on the day. Uh, huge celebrations afterwards, and uh, I suppose the girls had to leave in the midst of those celebrations. Uh, Orla Lally had her 21st birthday party as well thrown into the mix, uh, but they had to leave in the middle of those celebrations and head off to the airport. So they won the All-Ireland on, on Sunday, and, and what an occasion it was in Crow Park. I was, I was there myself, as I'm sure you were. Mm. And the, um, Orla headed out on Wednesday to Perth, literally. I'd say she had to be carried onto the plane, and all I said was, I hope she slept every minute of the way from from Dublin to Perth but she got there in one piece and then on Friday Vicky Wall headed out to, to North Melbourne as well so we saw Orla Lally landing in Perth and of course she was greeted there by Dockers captain Haley Miller and they actually shot straight over to Dockers training just caught the end of that and she teamed up with Anya Ty and, and Amy Mulholland there so we had a lovely picture of the three Irish Dockers together uh, so fantastic for, for Orla to be there uh, she sat out in the stands the, the first practice match of the weekend, but no doubt we might see her in action this weekend. And then something similar for Vicky, I suppose, straight into it at North Melbourne. Her second day over there, she was down to a training session. We saw her in the colours there across the last couple of days as well. And it remains to be seen how soon we see her in action, but no doubt it'll be soon enough. But look, at it was absolutely brilliant for, for the two players. And I know there was a lot of commentary about it at the time, I suppose, given how close their departure was to the All-Ireland about what a loss they'd be and would meet being in trouble with them gone but I think realistically just from working with the AFLW clubs and, and, and the great teams they're both involved in that depending on how the season goes of course there's every chance we'll see both Orla and Vicky back for meets bit at three in a row next year and how fantastic would that be as well Indeed it would and it was not surprising to me that it came up because Eamon Murray has, has been has spoken about it before Shane Ronan and Cork has also made the comment about you know Eric O'Shea going over nobody's begrudging anyone making a professional living for themselves Mike but if you're a if you're an inter-county football LGFA manager, you just don't want to see your best players leaving. You wish them all the best. You know they need to do this. This is a huge career move. It's a huge life-changing move for people. But the people that are still here in Ireland, I get it because I interview them quite a lot in my line of work. They just want what's best for their county. But I think... I think there's a balance to be struck and I think the fact that the championship is over and there's still time for the likes of Orla Lally and Vicky Wall to go over and do their thing right now there doesn't seem to be much of a crossover that you can accommodate both if you still need to if you still need to be an inter-county footballer you can be but as time goes on we'll see how that develops but you can't I, I would imagine somebody in your position is not surprised that managers especially in coaches are kind of saying we don't we wish they weren't going but in the nicest possible sense of course, and naturally that's the reaction. And I suppose we saw a very powerful moment in an interview after the senior final there with both Orla Lally and Vicky Wall uh, pretty much holding him and Murray up and he was very emotional about it and understandably so. But also we saw a, a, a great respect between coach and players and players and coach and a unity there. So uh, we know for a fact that the likes of him is going to be devastated that the girls are gone. But that's what I'm saying. I think there was a lot more made out of it at the time. But next year's championship is a long way away. These girls will all be finished playing AFLW on the 1st of December. They'll be back home for Christmas and it could be six months or more before they're expected out to their clubs again so as I say it'll be a kind of a combination of, of uh, how it goes with the inter-county managers here and how it goes with their coaches at their AFLW clubs but there's every chance we might see the likes of Vicky and Orla playing for Meath again for a substantial part if not all of the championship depending on what type of arrangement they come to but yeah it's understandable of course uh, but it, it is great to see that all the coaches are wishing the players well as well. 
Indeed. Another player that flew out is somebody you are quite close to and know an awful lot about at this stage, and that's Blaheen Mackin. Yeah, and, and Blaheen, I suppose, was ready to go with the last three three weeks or more, and she didn't fly out until Friday as well, and she actually ended up on the same flight as Vicky Wall. But again, that just shows, I suppose, the intricacies of the logistical side of it. Her visa just took a little bit longer to come through than was expected. There was nothing that could be done with that, only sit and wait. So she was sitting with suitcases packed for three weeks now. She was delighted to get a bit more time at home with her family and, and say her goodbyes and stuff, but I know she was itching to get over there and get stuck in to, to pre-season as well. So all's good now. She got away there as well, out to Melbourne last Friday. She arrived on Saturday and she was at her first training session on Sunday, straight into a hard gym session. So um, brilliant. Uh, she's raring to go. I'm very excited to see how Blacking goes at Melbourne. Indeed, I think she's going to go very, very well there. She's a player that seems quite suited to it and has that kind of skill set and speed, which is the other thing I think she has and that turn of pace. That's going to be very, very important. Since those players have gone over, Mike, we are now in the throes of pre-season and the first round of practice games have now taken place. And two players, uh, two Irish players, that, uh, we've, a lot of people have been keeping an eye on, Anya McDonough, but also our own from, from Corker, Eric O'Shea, um, saw a lot of the tweets coming out from the Kangaroos that were very positive about her appearance, her first appearance in a Kangaroos jersey. Yeah, so it's all happening, I suppose, across the last week or so. Even though we don't have the official practice round till next weekend, uh, most of the clubs had unofficial practice matches or inter-club matches. Uh, we've seen jersey presentations. We've seen team photos. So all of this stuff is happening. That just means you're getting closer to the start of the season. But the two players you mentioned, I suppose, yeah, they got their first taste of competitive action. And Eric O'Shea was described as an instant sensation by North Melbourne. And we expected it, uh, that it was a possibility. But boy, did she hit the ground running in her first game there and I know from co- talking to the, the management at North she was absolutely brilliant her running and ability to cover the ground um, already is becoming a factor uh, she made a number of important interceptions that probably um, limited scores at the other side and impressed as well with some overhead marking and stuff so yeah Erica was on fire in her first game and that was sensational to see that and I, of course her dad John who we've talked about across the last few um, podcasts is as well, he gone home Mike is he on a plane home or it, I, it, it doesn't it look like it. It doesn't look like it. It has been confirmed that he has landed in McCroom and he's locked into the sitting room, I think, at the moment. But yeah, no, he's back. Uh, I suppose he got to see Erica's first game, which was oh, fantastic. Yeah. One of the many uh, great uh, moments that he got to spin with her, including her jersey presentation and all of the rest of it. So he saw the first match. He actually came back to uh, Cork last Friday, the, the same day the two girls were heading out. So that's fantastic. And as we all know, Johnny became a bit of a celebrity over there and he's come back decked out in North Melbourne gear. I was trying to get a bit of that off him, actually. actually he has yeah. more gear than me at this stage. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Erica was brilliant. And also, of course, Anya McDonagh got her first competitive action for Hawthorne, who travels to Perth to take on West Coast Eagles. So not only did she get her first um, game, she got her first uh, interstate trip as well, which is an experience in itself. And I know from talking to Anya, she's reasonably pleased with her progress. She, the Hawthorne have been working her around the forwards a bit, which is interesting. So she could potentially be a, a tall forward or um, a, a tall marking forward come the season. But yeah, again, it remains to be seen if, how soon we see her straight into the action. But she's definitely enjoying her time as well. And a fantastic um, experience to get that first game under her belt. Just when you mentioned it there, Mike, and it's an aside, but one of the things that players can prepare for and you help them immeasurably is ball control and introduce him to the oval ball, the tackling, all the things we've spoken about in various um, episodes previously. But one thing that's just come into my head when you said it there, the travelling. Because, you know, Ireland is Ireland and if you've got to play Donegal, you usually play them in a neutral venue if you're from Cork and you meet halfway up the country and it's not that bad. It's very, it's it's rare that you'd have to do that. But in Australia, we're talking about pretty much a continent when you compare it to Ireland. Yes. And he, is that one thing that players... I suppose that's like a real shock to the system that if you do have these long trips that the, the interstate ones that you said, like you just traveling from one end. I know, I know it's, it's, it's organized in such a way that you don't have to do it as off, you know, back to back. But even at that, the, the amount of traveling and the time you spend traveling for players, that's going to be a big shock to the system for them. It is, uh, but it's also one of the, I suppose, the big ex- parts of the experience and, and a lot of the clubs actually s- s- sell that as a selling point that you get to see a lot of Australia as well. So it's, it's reverting closer to normal this season, I would imagine, but the last season with COVID and that, they would have all been on chartered flights and they would have literally been flying in, play the game, back to the airport, on the charter flight, back out. So they weren't getting much of that interstate experience. But in normal circumstances, for argument's sake, if you had a game on Saturday morning, the, the team would fly out on Friday 
uh, they may stay overnight Saturday and fly back on Sunday. It would depend on club to club and game to game and what day of the weekend it is and stuff. But that's actually probably a, a positive thing that you get to see a lot more of Australia than, than just the state you're based in. And I think they'll get used to that fairly quickly. And just because of the professionalism, all of that stuff is organized to a T. So like there's no stress in terms of your traveling that like you just turn up and you're taken where you need to go. Um, so yeah, I think depending on which club you're at, I, I know like you could be on a two hour, four hour, I think six hour flight from Perth to, to Darwin is one of the longest or Perth to Brisbane is one of the longest in Australia. So I'm sure all of the Irish players, um, if not the majority of them for sure, will get to, to some experience of traveling interstate and to play some games in, in different cities and that. And, and that's all all parts of the appeal and all parts of the experience as well. It sound, you've made it sound a hell of a lot more positive than being stuck in traffic on the way to Crow Park from a four-hour journey from Cork, so I'll give you that one. Fair play. And as you said, the team bonding uh, opportunity to meet players and talk to players, I suppose, as well is very important, and that, that's that's another aspect of it. But yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on all of that as the, as the season progresses. Now, one player uh, that, that I think attracted an awful lot of attention, uh, media attention, was the former RMR footballer, Amy Mulholland. And the moment uh, that she was... Uh, Elected or selected in the AFLW draft for the Fremantle Dockers, and she's now played her first game, um, which practice game against the Tigers. Yeah, she has. Amy, of course, was the only Irish player selected via the draft uh, this season, and only the third player overall ever via the draft. So she was already based in in Perth. So straight down to action with the Dockers, and they had their first game at the weekend against Richmond Tigers, which they went down in, which was interesting. But I suppose you don't look too much into the results of the the practice rounds because I know for a fact that the Dockers had rested maybe seven or eight of their key players and most of their midfield. So these games are chances for coaches to try different combinations of players, try different combinations of players running through the middle, through the forwards, positions, setups, and that sort of thing. So you don't tend to read much into the results, but I suppose if you're the likes of Richmond Tigers and you get a win over a, over a top team like Dockers in a practice match, that's good for morale as well. But yeah, um, Amy got uh, a run out in that game. Only Ty was playing as well. And from all accounts, Amy Mulholland did very well in that game and that would be invaluable experience for her. Uh, so hopefully we'll see her back in action along with Anya and Orla who sat in the stands for that practice match um, very soon. Excellent stuff. Great stuff and a great story too for Amy and hopefully she has a positive season. Finally, there's too many practice room matches going on. We've got a whole season to get through. So we're not going to focus on practice room matches just yet, Mike. But what we will focus on, I suppose, is the big headline. The matches that have been moved to the uh, the Magnificent that I've had a chance, to, a chance of a lifetime to actually visit it and get a tour of it, the MCG. Oh, this is amazing. As we know from the podcast back through the last season, the first game ever was played at the MCG last year for the, I think it was the, the qualifying final with, with Melbourne Demons. That was the first time an AFLW game had ever been played there. Now there's been a massive move across the last week there where two of the practice round games have been moved to the MCG as curtain raisers to big AFL round 22 games. So that's absolutely massive. And I know I, I've been talking to the clubs uh, along the way and the, it, it, it was a big incentive and initiative on behalf of the clubs to push that. And there was cost to the clubs to do that as well. But it's fantastic to see them all getting behind it. So we have, I think, um, Melbourne versus Carlton at the MCG this weekend. Uh, so potentially we'll have Sinead Goldrick and Blaine Mackin running out onto our first game ever at the MCG. Wow. What a story that would be um, if that comes to pass. And, and I'm sure we'll see her involved in some capacity. And then on Sunday, we have Richmond and Hawthorne. So again, Aileen Gilroy and Anya McDonough might have an opportunity to run out at the MCG in their first game in, in their new colours as well. Uh, so absolutely brilliant to see it. And as I say, you'd be hoping for some games during the season to be at the big stadiums. But when you hear them announcing two of the practice matches that are moved to the MCG at, as curtain raisers to blockbuster men's games, that's brilliant to see and something to get excited about. And there'll be a lot of eyes on those games. And as you mentioned, it's a full list of um, nine matches this weekend. So no doubt we'll have an opportunity to cover those next week. Indeed we will as we ramp up our preparations for the most exciting season in the history of AFLW, certainly from this point of part of the world with 21 Irish players to talk about each week. Mike, it's great to hear from you again and we look forward to getting your assessment of the practice round matches in next week's episode. That's brilliant, Jerry. Looking forward to it. Thanks, man. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Cork lost a one-point heartbreaker to Kilkenny in last Sunday's Glendimplex All-Ireland Senior Camogie Final at Croke Park.
I interviewed despondent Cork senior Camogie players Libby Coppinger and Laura Tracy shortly after the full-time whistle, as well as Cork manager Matthew Toomey. I also got the delighted reaction of winning manager Brian Dowling, plus his Kilkenny players Claire Phelan, Denise Gall, and player of the match, Kate Nolan. Uh, I am here with Libby Coppinger of the Cork senior team following their one-point defeat in the All-Ireland final to Kilkenny. Libby, first of all, commiserations and thanks for speaking to us here in the big red bench. Your immediate reaction there, gut-wrenching. Yeah, look, I suppose we kind of put ourselves in a position to win it, but um, Kilkenny just got a few scores to seal the deal. So it's, yeah, we're, I think we're all a bit numb at the minute. Um, but look, very proud to be part of Cork and, you know, go out there battling with the girls. And I think we left it all out there, so I suppose we can take that away. I've been trying to say to Matthew Toomey and the others, look, we've won the minor, the under-16, we've gotten to two, a senior and intermediate final. Camogie is in a healthy state in the county. doesn't feel like it right now, I understand, for you. But the effort that you put in this year to get the two All-Ireland finals in a row, that's fantastic, and you will be back again. Um, yeah, no, look, there's, there's great players coming up, um, so that's very promising for Cork, but I suppose we've kind of... We're not happy unless we're getting... The best, you know, winning um, on the biggest day of the year, and look, that didn't happen this year. So I suppose it's back to the drawing board. You know, you kind of <laughs> with this year you've put in, you wonder what more you can do. But um, yeah, look, we'll try again next year and just give it, give it our all again. But um, yeah, hugely, hugely disappointing. And just finally, thank you for everything that you've done for us this year. You've had a fantastic individual season. I know you don't feel like it now. But for the younger girls on the panel that got to experience an All-Ireland final today, that's going to be huge for them because we're only one point, one step away from winning it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I suppose, like, any time you can experience Crow Park, um, it's great. It's just, Crow Park is a great place to be on the, the winning days and it's a very lonely spot on the, the losing days. But look, again, it'll all stand to us, so... We'll be back, no doubt. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll take this and we'll stick together over the week and just try and, you know, get each other through it. Libby, thank you so much for talking to us on the bench. Mind yourself, we'll talk again soon. Thanks a million, Ger. I'm here with Cork's Laura Tracy following a, a gut-wrenching one-point defeat in the All-Ireland final. Laura, first of all, thank you very much for talking to us. I won't ask how you're feeling because I can see it on your face, but look, this Cork team has gotten so close over the last two years. It's not far off winning an All-Ireland. You just need to take that final step. No, yeah, and um, obviously it's absolutely gutting for us to be leaving Crow Park second year in a row without silverware, you know. Felt like we, we really, really worked hard um, over the past few years developing players and stuff and uh, we probably could have came away with the win today but we seem to leave it behind us again. Yeah, you got, o you got over a bad start. We didn't score for the first 14 minutes and very few teams managed to come back against the likes of Kilkenny, but you did. Then you got Fiona's goal, got you going. You were on a roll there either side of half-time. Yeah, um, to be fair, there was for some reason we started extremely slow again today and I can't really put my finger on why. Um, there was only a number of us getting on ball, you know, and everyone else seemed a little bit jittery around. Um, but, like, the girls then, like, obviously the goal probably settled us a little bit um, and the, everyone around then started to just, you know, settle on the ball, started giving the right ball, started moving and confidence started to grow. And, like, we could have even went in maybe a point or two up at halftime instead of level, but, like, we were happy to be in level at halftime, I guess. I know it won't mean much right now. I know it's very raw, but you've had an outstanding season and you've done a great game today. For the younger girls in this panel coming through, how important is it that they got to experience an All-Ireland final, if not necessarily win it? Yeah, look, uh, this is my 11th season, so I guess I can't consider myself one of the young ones anymore. But look, there's a huge number of young girls coming up through and like uh, credit to the under 16s and minors, they've brought home silverware this year. So I guess Cork Camogie is in a really yeah. good place. Intermediates were here today, ran uh, just ran short uh, to Galway and us then today losing by a point to Kilkenny. So in hindsight, I guess you could say that Cork Camogie is in a really good place, but God, it's very hard to yeah. say that today. Um, coming home without silverware is, is really, really disappointing. Well, look, we appreciate all your efforts, not just today, but throughout the season. We hope we'll, we will see you again next year. We'll be talking, hopefully, getting a crop back with that trophy in our hands. Laura, thanks so much for speaking to us. No problem at all. Cheers. Matthew Toomey, first of all, obvious, utter disappointment and heartbreak at losing an All-Ireland final for the second year in a row by a point. But this team will bounce back. He will bounce back. I know it doesn't seem like it now, but you must be proud of the players' efforts. Oh, come here, those players, what they've done for us for the last nine, ten months has just been incredible. Like, and, you know, it's first credit to them, to their clubs, their families, the whole lot. Like, you know, obviously we're disappointed today. Like, we're after losing again by a point. Um, we put ourselves in a great position to win the game. You know, but look, credit goes to Kilkenny. Look, you know, they, they, 
it did a bit more experience than us, I suppose, at the end. I don't know what it was, you know, the goal and a bit of luck as well. And no fair play to them. We, we go away, lick our wounds, but that they'll be back. That team is that is too much class. We have a lot of young ones coming through as well. Like, you know, just we learn from this again, like us. Yeah. So come back. Let's put things in perspective. I know it's difficult right now in the crowd park pitch. We are the minor All Ireland champions. We're the under 16 All Ireland champions, and we've been to an intermediate and senior All Ireland final. The, 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 the foundations are there, but yeah. it's just going that extra step. Just the extra step is right, Chad. It's disappointing for Trevor and the lads as well today, and obviously us now again, like you know. But you know, first we have a massive crowd here, great support, like and you know. You have to kind of look back in these days as well and learn from it and you know we have to do that and we will do that just learn from it and see where we go just finally a word for your management team because the players you've spoken about at length but your management team have put in some effort uh, absolutely unbelievable like and it's massive credit from like they're giving up their time voluntary there you know for, again for the last 10 months they've been unbelievable and great support uh, like I, I, I you know i just put out the, the, the front of it as well which i don't wouldn't be comfortable with but they've been massive support and you know like great credit to them and you know on the county board everybody like so it's been a massive effort. We got the three finals. Unfortunately, we lost two, but that's that sport. Okay. Listen, thanks for all your help. We'll be back, and you will too. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Uh, I'm here with the victorious Kilkenny manager, Brian Dowling. First of all, congratulations on winning an All-Ireland for you and for this team, considering how close you've been in between 2020 and now. How important was it to get this win today, Brian? Oh, sure, look, it's unbelievable, I suppose. Cork are feeling the heartbreak today. A lot of these girls in East Gaul, Merriam Welsh, Katie Power, They've had so much heartbreak on the pitch, you know. I think Katie lost three All-Ireland Finals in a row. She missed 2020. She's lost three county finals in a row in her club. So, glad for the likes of Katie Power. And I know the, the Cork girls are hurting, but they're brilliant girls and I know they'll be back again. You got off to a brilliant start. You had Cork scores for 14 minutes. You could have been further ahead when they came back at you. Did you know this team had it in the tank to go again? Oh, yeah, definitely did. Um, look, we were starting off really well, but I was disappointed at the same time because I thought we were on top and we were six points up and... So it was Katrina Mackey, I think, got the know, was, uh, we got the goal again. Uh, Fiona Keaton. Sorry, Fiona Keaton got the goal and, you know, that really drove Cork on. And look, Cork went ahead then in the second half. And look, it was it was point for point. It probably looked like it was heading for extra time there. But look, we found a way. Probably hadn't had much luck on or off the field this year, early on in the year. And we said it to the girls, look, our luck is bound to change. If you stay going, you stay plugging away, you might get that luck somewhere. And look, we got it today. Hearty congratulations. Fully deserved. And well done, Brian. All right, thanks, sir. All right. Thank thanks, you. I'm here with Claire Feeling of Kilkenny who's just won Senior All-Ireland title. How does that feel? It's hard to describe. Um, it's a moment I want to enjoy now. I've been here bad days enough, so it's just absolutely amazing. I'm so happy. The Kilkenny crowd that here is unbelievable. And to have our family and friends here, it just, it's just absolutely amazing. A word for Cork as they really put it up to you. Oh, look, sure. We know every time we come up against Cork, you know what you're going to get. They're an unbelievable team. There's never anything between us. It doesn't matter if they go down like they did six points, they're right back at us and they're an absolutely outstanding team. I've no doubt they're going to be back again next year, ready to go. And just finally, because I know you want to go celebrating, what does this mean for this group of players? Uh, look, we've we've had a lot of different blows this year. Two Doyles up there lifting the trophy, they've had a tough time. Tommy and Brian losing members of their family, but it just it means everything. We've put the hard work in and we're just delighted to have got the Duffy Cup back. Congratulations and well done. Brilliant. Thank you. I'm here with Kenny's Denise Gall, who has just won an All-Ireland Senior title. How does that sound? Uh, unreal, yeah. Oh, geez, I don't know, I just absolutely bet. But no, she's looked uh, just proud to be from Kilkenny today and um, just absolutely buzzing for everyone here. How hard a challenge did Cork put it up to you right up to the final whistle? Ah, uh, Jesus, unreal, sure. Look, it's always the same. I thought for a minute there we were going to have another was going to swing the other way like it was like it didn't before but look we just gritted it out there but fair play to Cork I mean they're a serious team and look they'll be back no doubt about that <laughs> you've had a lot of near misses don't you dears but this is a special this big two for the management team and for the whole county yeah absolutely look there's a fresh group of players there who often experience those losses and this will just drive them on like to you know there's a few of us there for a while and like that freshness just makes us forget about the past and look we're just happy to come up and try and hurl our boots off today and I think that's what we did. Denise congratulations and thanks for talking thanks to us. Very well you. done. Thanks to you. you. Thanks so much. Thanks Denise. Uh, I'm here with Kenny's Kate Nolan who is an All-Ireland champion. Great celebrations going around you. It's a lovely moment for you and for the county and considering how close you've been the last few years a big moment for you too. Yeah huge moment. Look, for any time you play Cork or Galway there's never anything in it. 
This one's probably a bit more special because in 2020 we didn't have our families and friends with us and I thought that was the best day of my life but now this year is like having them there is, is that bit more special as well so yeah it's very magic yeah. Talk to me about Cork and the battle they put up. Yeah Cork, Cork always ring a battle so they do like we started well usually we probably don't start well so we did start well and we, we they got probably improved as it was going on and we slackened off um, but I think we showed character the way we, we fought it out to the very end yeah. Congratulations and well done, Kate. Thanks very much. Thank you. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. There was more disappointment for Trevor Coleman and the Cork Intermediate Panel following their defeat to Galway in last Sunday's Glendimplex All-Ireland Intermediate Camogie Final at Croke Park. Despite the loss, Trevor Coleman and goalkeeper Stephanie Bosang spoke to us on the Big Red Bench shortly after the final whistle. We'll also hear from Victoria's Galway manager, Colin Murray. I'm here with the Cork goalkeeper uh, following their intermediate All-Ireland defeat to Galway, Stephanie Bosang. Stephanie, commiserations, tough day. Yeah, it was a very tough day in the office today. Um, I think we kind of we left it a bit behind us now. Um, we just kind of we got a few wides, missed our chances, and um, you know, in fairness to Galway, they they really put it up to us and they worked they worked probably a lot harder than us today, and uh, they absolutely deserved the win. Um, so. I can see how disappointing it is for you to start to that second half. You had a couple of chances maybe to draw a level. There was an opportunity for close range for you. Just things didn't seem to go your way in the second half. Yeah, like, you know, sometimes I think on other Ireland final days, I kind of look as with you. And um, just today, it just didn't It didn't look like we had much luck. And, uh, like, I suppose we got, like, we were very lucky for our semi-final win. And uh, unfortunately today, that look just didn't rub off again on the final. This is a very, very experienced and a good panel. They've been together quite a long time. Trevor Coleman has gotten you this far. There is enough to come back and have a cut off it again. Um, yeah, there would be. I know there's um, there's some minors coming through. We will be. There is a good few of the girls going away travelling now next year. Um, supposed to be anyway. So we'll see what their plans are in the next few weeks. Um, there's a lot of minors coming through, and you know there is there is a good talent coming through in Cork. And um, you know I'm sure the the intermediates will bounce back again next year. So hopefully. I think it's been a good year for Cork Camogie, even though it might not feel it right now for you particularly, but you got to an All-Ireland final, we've won under-16 and minor, we're in a senior, Cork Camogie's in a good place, but the intermediate side is just as good as those teams, they have the ability to bounce back. Absolutely, yeah, the intermediates will be back again next year, um, I've no doubt about that. Um, again, like you said, it has been a fantastic year for Cork Camogie. Um, like you couldn't, you know, obviously we've lost today, but you know, under-age, under-16's won, the minors won, and hopefully the seniors will, um, will uh, get the win again. Um, do you know, you can't fault it. Cork Mogi's at a very high place and uh, hopefully it'll, uh, it'll keep going into next year and the years after that. We really appreciate you talking to the big red bench, Stephanie. Best of luck. We'll talk to you again sooner. Thanks very much, sir. Uh, Trevor Coleman, obviously commiserations. Big disappointment losing an All-Ireland final. Did it get away from you there just at the start of the second half? Yeah, look, to be fair, we were probably chasing the game for the first 30 minutes. Second half, we came out. We had a good chat at halftime. We had about four wides in the row at the start of the second half, which probably killed us again. We could have brought it back level and we just didn't. But look, again, there's great credit due to this bunch. They, they showed unbelievable fight and unbelievable attitude. When we asked them to stand up there in the second half, they stood up, you know? Is it frustration, Trevor, more than anything else? Obviously, you're bitterly disappointed for yourselves and the players. Like, it's been a fantastic year. It feels very different right now. But is it frustration that just it was such a tight game that you couldn't get over the line? Yeah, usually frustration. Although we just couldn't. I, th- I think if we brought it back to level, it would be nice to see what way Galway reacted. But again, we just didn't. Like Joanna, the 21-yard free there. We were two points down. She went for goal. But look, again, Joanna's well experienced enough to, to know what to do in those situations. So we left it up to ourselves. If that went in, I think it would have been a completely different game. But look, unfortunately, it didn't win. But look, that's like we just need to move on look and get over it look they were happened in Tipperary there as I said the other night to Dylan Cork just puts life in perspective look this is only a game we lost you know so condolences to all in Tipperary and to all the GA family from all Cock Camogie Talk to me about this panel and your selectors and everybody that's put in such a fantastic effort this year to get you to an All-Ireland final yeah, look, George, I just spoke inside the dressing room there to the management and to the players. So huge credit goes into all these people. Look, unfortunately, we don't get expenses as a, an intermediate team. Them players inside there, the management inside there, don't get mileage. So they're travelling the length of bread of the country out of their own pocket. Look, we have stats people, we have strength and conditioning, we have physios, we have first aid. Look, and we have a logistics girl there, Sarah Carroll, who, who, look, makes my job a hundred times easier and does great credit to her all year. I think, look, we galvanised each other. We made each other happy uh, in training. So, uh, look, does great credit to everyone I'm only the man in the front giving the interviews but the rest of them there gets all the credit to be fair you know 
there's a huge amount of talent in this pool of players. There really is. There's a lot of minor talent coming through under 16 and minor All-Ireland winners. Cork Mogi's in a good place. I know it doesn't feel like it for you right now, but the future for this particular group and for you still is very bright. Yeah, look, the future is, is very bright. Look, there's probably three or four minors the last couple of years, three or four under 16s the last couple of years. Look, we've goals in that dressing room too as well. They have All-Irelands and, and, and still want to play the game at this level. So, like, there's it, it great credit due to Cork Mogi. Look, we're in the senior final. We were in the Dwina final. We won the minor. We won the under 16. So, like, there's, there's there's loads of work being done in the background and look for us when we get the 16 and minor players up it's very easy for us to, to bring them into the team because they're coached well down under 16 with Donny and uh, minor with Jory so it makes our life a small bit easier you know well look on behalf of everybody in the big red bench thanks for making our life so much easier this year with your access to players and to yourself I know it's guttering now but we'll talk again soon yeah thanks a million John thanks to Red FM for everything uh, I'm with the victorious Galway manager following their victory over Cork in the Glen Dimplex All-Ireland Intermediate Camogie Final. Cahill Murray, congratulations. Must be a happy dressing room behind us. Uh, a lovely moment for you and for this Galway panel. Yeah, it's a lovely moment in fairness. Look at, um, I thought first and foremost the match is really good out there and I think Cork died with their boots on in fairness to them. Um, could have gone anyway in the last few minutes and that's the way you want an Ireland final to get. Um, you know, we're really happy. Listen, we were... We got beaten here in 2019 and um, it's probably been a long road to get back again and um, a lot of kind of near misses and stuff like that. But look, as we just take the intermediate very serious down in Galway. It's, it's a kind of a stepping stone to the senior and we, and we use it in that way. And um, look, at I suppose it's lovely to win this now, but you're kind of hoping that a, a lot of the girls from the team and from the panel go on and represent Galway senior. That's what you want. Um, with the events that occurred recently in Galway, the tragic and the really sad, you know, everything that's gone on, was that at the back of your minds today? Was that something you spoke about? Uh, it wasn't, to be honest. It's not something we spoke about because um, I suppose a lot of our panel is really, really young and it's not something you'd, you'd speak about. I suppose when that tragedy happened to a case, we, you know, we kind of dealt with it at the time and we got a few counsellors and stuff in to talk to them. There's an awful lot of the girls that would be very close to her, would have played her two years under 16 and two years minor. So, you know, we would really, really have good good time for her and, and you know, I thought she was a wonderful girl and I suppose with Dunning Kirk dying in Tiberi over the weekend, you know, it's... Um, it brought that home again, I suppose. But listen, it's not something we spoke about, to be honest with you. But I think it's definitely in the back of a few of the girls' minds today that they probably wanted to do that for her, and um, that's really good. Very well said. And just finally, big win for Galway Camogie Intermediate Level, considering the, your seniors didn't get to an All Ireland final. That'll drive them on for next year. But important in the overall scheme of things for Galway. Yeah, it's important. You know, it's uh, and it's probably it's probably going to be hard to manage you now for next year or two when that you know these girls can't can't go up now they can't play intermediate again so you know there's this kind of you don't want them to be caught either in no man's land either so it's something that we have to we have to manage but um look at you you want your intermediates to be really really successful like that and um you certainly want nine or ten of these to go on to a senior panel next year and, and freshen it up and bring a bit of energy to it and um, i'm sure they'll do that and listen you know, there is good talent coming through in Galway, but there's good talent coming through in Cork and Kilkenny as well. And, um, you know, we're, I suppose, trying to stay ahead of them. But listen, I suppose the girls, will, they're celebrating now, but they'll go out and probably be out in time for the second half. And that's what they need to watch. You know, that's 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 the standard bears now is Cork and Kilkenny in the senior. And I suppose they need to go out and they need to see where they need to get to. It's not as simple as winning intermediate and go up and, and doing yourself senior. It's It takes a bit of time and it takes a bit of patience and it takes an awful lot of hard work. But, you know, hopefully they put in that hard work, they're good enough. Congratulations again, man. Well done. Yeah, thanks, sir. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Joe Carroll led his Cork LGFA minors to victory in the 2022 Zucar Ireland All-Ireland Minor A Ladies Football Final against Galway. I caught up with the Cork winning manager, his captain Evie Toomey, and fellow Cork players Abigail Ring, Aoife Healy, Saif McGoldrick, Orla Cahillan and Leah Heffernan shortly after the final whistle in Nina. I'm here with the victorious Cork manager, Joe Carroll, who's just won the Minor A All-Ireland title, having beaten Galway in a titanic battle. Congratulations to you, Joe. That was hard-earned. Oh, that was hard-earned, but Joe, I suppose, when we coming up, we knew that was going to be hard-earned, and I told the girls, but I think we produced our best win for last, because if we hadn't, Galway would definitely have beaten us. Hit the crossbar twice in the first half, could have been further ahead, kicked a couple of ways. Were you getting worried when they got the deficit back to one? Yeah, but we still held it to the couple of points and even though they got the goal, we responded very well. We got a couple of great scores after it and even though we missed the penalty at the end, I think we were we finished by far the better team in the end, you know. Talk to me about your management team and this set of players. How special are they? Asher, they're fantastic. Every one of them, like you start with Barbara Nicavard, has never been in a losing All-Ireland winning setup yet. Some achievement since she started. Clyde Buckley, Billy Toomey, Sinead McGoldrick uh, and Welsh. And 
and this is Lisa Crowley, our goalkeeping coach, and Sarah Murphy came in during the year to help us out one night as well. They were excellent all through the year. Congratulations to everybody in the big red bench, and well done, buddy. Perfect. Thanks, Jim. I'm here with Cork's, uh, one of the Cork winning players in tonight's minor All-Ireland final and player of the match as well. A very happy Abigail ring. Abigail, how Congratulations, how happy are you after all that? Oh, I'm absolutely thrilled, like I can't even put it into words, like you know, I've been dreaming of this like even as a little kid and everything and you know, it's just amazing, yeah, I can't even put it into words. It's a fantastic moment for you but also for this squad because you put a huge effort in and you've been together a long time. Yeah, like last year it was unfortunately we didn't get to get an All-Ireland final, you know, we finished that Munster but this year we, we took our opportunity and we weren't going to lose, you know, so yeah. Um, was that a driving force for you this year, the fact that you didn't get that chance to win an All-Ireland last year? Oh, definitely. Like, the squad consisted of a lot of the girls from last year as well. So, like, you know, 100%, yeah, that was definitely a driving point for us. So, yeah. I've been asking all the players the same question. Yeah. I need to ask you, Joe yeah. Carroll. I mean, uh, it, there's only one Joe Carroll, but him and his management team, how, how brilliant were they to you this year? Oh, amazing. Like, I actually, I <laughs> couldn't even put into words. Like, Joe's an amazing coach. Like, everything he's done for us the last two years, like, I can't even explain. Yeah, unbelievable. Like, I'm just <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> well, fantastic for you anyway, and you've won an All-Ireland, and well done. Yeah, thanks a million. Thank you. See ya. Good stuff. Thank you. Aoife Healy from Cloyne, what a fantastic feeling. Uh, you've just become an All-Ireland champion. What a battle, though, you had against Galway. Yeah, it's absolutely unreal, especially in a match like this when things are so close. You can just see the work that we've put in. We've been training for nine months with the trials and everything, so it's just absolutely unreal feeling now. This was a really tight game. The scoring doesn't suggest it, but you only pulled away near the end and probably the hardest game we've had this year. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Galway were a fantastic side. They're very, very strong, and we knew that coming into it. But I think we had our work done and our training done, so we were well up for the challenge. How good was Joe Carroll this year? My God, Joe Carroll, he's so mad. The, the effort that he puts into training is absolutely unmatched, and I think the girls and everyone just appreciates it so much. A huge amount of effort winning off the pitch as well this year with the management team and yourselves, and this is a lovely way to end it. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. Like The girls are amazing, everyone's amazing, and it's just a brilliant way to end such an amazing year. Finally, lovely to see such a big crowd here supporting as well. That was excellent. Yeah, no, it's lovely to see the support coming up. Like, you know, there won't be much people coming to the matches now, like, yeah. through it all. So the final is absolutely amazing to have the support. Congratulations, well done. Thank you very much. I'm here with Simon Goldrick, a victorious Cork a member of the Cork team that have just beaten Galway to win the minor All-Ireland title. How does it feel to be called an All-Ireland champion? Oh, it's great. Like, um, all the girls deserve it. They work so hard, so, yeah. How tough a match was that? You, you chipped in with a couple of points and you were playing centre-back, but they were a really good Galway team. Yeah, we knew Galway would be really good and they definitely were. Um, what's it been like all this year, like the effort that's had to be put in both on and off the pitch just to get to this point? Because there's a lot of interest in the minor panel just to make the minor panel. wasn't an easy thing to do. Yeah, we all the girls worked really, really hard this year. Um, we trained twice a week, so yeah, it's good. Um, what's it like playing under Joe Carroll? Good. Um, everyone gets on really well with Joe and he's great. Are you looking forward to uh, moving on now? Like you've done fantastically well at minor. Like you're hoping to move on into the senior in the next couple of years. Uh, yeah, hopefully. I think most girls do want to, but yeah. And just finally, a lovely moment for your club, Airog, as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, congratulations and well done. Thank you. Thanks, so. I'm here with Cork full forward Orla Callan following the minors All Ireland victory over Galway. Orla, congratulations! You're an All Ireland champion. What does that sound like? Thanks, sir. It's unbelievable. I, I can't believe it. They, it was a tough match. Like, through the whole match, they put it up to us. And we knew they would coming into it. So, thank God, we got through in the end. Yeah, you had to pull away there in the second half. And this is probably one of the most physical teams you would have played this year. Yeah, definitely. The physicality was something else. And, like, it was just... It, it's mad. <laughs> I can't believe we won. <laughs> um, a lot of effort went in this year, on and off the pitch, to get to this point. And you've been very busy with the minor and the hurl and uh, camogie and everything else that's going on. But where does this rank? How does this feel? Oh, this is this is definitely one of the top moments, uh, along with the camogie. I just, I, I can't. And we played Galway in both, and both were very tough matches. And I just delighted. <laughs> Final word for Joe Carroll and his management team, and what they've done for you this year. Oh, it's something else. They put in so much effort the whole year, and um, starting back in December before Christmas, and like we just the, the work they put in is unbelievable, like on and off pitch. Congratulations and well done. Thanks, Chair. Siobhan Callan, uh, congratulations! You're an All Ireland champion. What does that <laughs> sound you. like? Unreal, unreal. Yeah, so delighted. 
How tough a match was that? A oh, physical hard match. It was so tough. Number 28 ran at us, and oh god, we found it tough, but we pulled through at the end. And your defense had to stand up today, like it was a really. Yeah. They came at you there in the second yeah, half, and they had a lot of chances, yeah? Yeah, they switched the team, and they put a hard in the full forward. It was unreal. And the Heffernan and Aoife Barr were unreal. It's the back line. Yeah. I can see you're Brett, but what does it feel like to get to this point to become an All-Ireland champion? Is it sunk Un- in yet? No? Yeah, unreal. Just great to have the moment to play with Cork Miners and yeah, just unreal. Out of all the matches you played this year, this was by far the toughest, I'd imagine. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah, God, we were our toughest match, definitely. And looking forward to maybe another year, Miner, moving on into senior. This is something you'd like to replicate when you move up through the ranks? Well, hopefully if I can get there, but like, yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Congratulations, Yvonne. Well you. done. Thank you. Leah Heffernan, it's just seconds after winning an All-Ireland Minor A final. What does that feel like? Oh, unbelievable. You know, it's a feeling that only comes once in a lifetime and I'm so happy with the bunch of girls that we did it. We did unreal. I'm so proud of every each one of them. Delighted. Some match from Galway, oh, a tough God. challenge, a physical battle, but she came out on top. Yeah, oh yeah, they're a very good team, you know, and more than likely we'll be seeing them again totally. They're fair play to them. They put it up to us to to, to the end. Uh, what a fantastic year for you I know this is yeah. the culmination of it but a lot of Cork teams got to finals and didn't get over the line yeah. which she have so it must be a lovely feeling oh absolutely delighted you know like as I said a great bunch of girls like and like every single one of us put in a stream amount of effort so you know we all deserved it at the end of the day talk to you about Joe Carroll finally in this management team yeah. what, have, what have they been like for you oh you know every training every they've pushed us to our bit end you know we couldn't have done it without each one of them absolutely they're super management couldn't praise them anymore onwards and upwards for yourself yeah. in this car <laughs> Did I, yeah onwards and upwards so hopefully next year again well done congratulations yeah, thank you I am here with the Cork captain Evie Toomey following the minor A All-Ireland final victory over Galway. First of all, Evie, congratulations, but my God, that was some battle. Thank you very much. It's so surreal. It's the best feeling ever. How good were that Galway team? Oh, it was so tight until the very end. Thank God Abigail Ring got that last goal for us. Um, all the way through, there was very little in it. Like You hit the crossbar twice in the first half, then they got it back to a point where you get worried at that stage, or did you have confidence in the team? I definitely had confidence in the team, but obviously you, you get worried every now and again but I had faith in general. This squad, this band have been together a long time and a lot of that is down to Joe Carroll and the management team. How important have they been to you this year? They are just amazing. They all bring something to the panel themselves. Um, I'm definitely going to miss them all so much. It's a fantastic group of players and it was a real bond as well in this group and you needed it because you need that to win in All-Ireland. Yeah, we've been together for so long and everyone's bonded so well, especially throughout the years and through GAA. It's great. Um, back to the club action, but before that, a few celebrations, I would imagine. Oh, definitely. I cannot wait. I've been waiting for this. It's lovely for Cork because we've come close in other All-Ireland finals this year, different grades, but it's great to get a trophy and bring it back. You must be very proud for your family and for your club. Oh, I'm so excited. It's the best feeling ever. For everybody in the Big Red Bench says congratulations and well done. Thank you very much. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and guests between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.